The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's good, Podcastville? Thank you for 15 incredible seasons. Big shout out to Sound Reaper Graphics and Blue Canary Auto for five years of consistent support of the Bystander Podcast. I am your host, Tiny Tim, coming to you from beautiful Bainbridge Island, Washington, at some generic time in your day. I'm glad you're here. Please be a friend and tell a friend you heard it on The Bystander and follow us on social media. Now let's get the party started with some intro music from the incredible Leroy Bell. What's good, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Today we're talking about Kitsap Electric Vehicle and Bike Expo coming up on May 20th at our local Woodward School. We have today as our guest Kevin Thompson. Thomas, apologize. Okay. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Good, good, good. Let me get a little bit more mic on you. Okay. And uh, Mike Cox, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. Good to have you guys here. It was nice. Little pre-talk. Um, hope I didn't dominate it too much and get off topic of electric vehicles. <laughs> we learned a lot. <laughs> yes, hopefully that's what the bystander does. Hey, I'm I'm one of those guys that has a gasoline car. We're a one car family. Also have an EV bike that I ride on on the regular and uh, ride power bikes. If you want to sponsor the podcast, hit me up. And then I have two feet. And I think this is a very walkable island, and you know, I get anywhere into 6 to 12 miles walking around on a daily basis and I enjoy it. I think it's very walkable, but not so much very bikeable at times right. because you can get away from the roads when you're walking, and there's a huge trail system through the woods and such. But as a bicyclist part-time, I, f- I feel like we need to do a lot to get bicycle awareness, get... Uh, shoulders that have ample space for sure. us and understanding. Um, I was wondering before we get into this too deep, what you guys think about having a licensing situation where we have a tab for our bike, electric bikes and a license like a car would, and then maybe we could generate more funds for shareable situations on the road. 
I think that would be a, a, a very creative way to create a fund because a lot of times the argument is, well, where's where's the money for this? And uh, second, I think if people are putting uh, something into the um, to the pot, for example, I just think that creates more of a um, of a willingness to be a part of the conversation because I was a commuter twenty over twenty years. I commuted to work every day. And so I know the roads very well. Mm-hmm. And it's – we just did – the city, we, the city just uh, finished something called a sustainable transportation plan. And a part of that um, is the North Star there was to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But the idea is to try to create networks that people would feel comfortable biking because there's a lot of population that just aren't comfortable. Right. They, they don't think it's safe. So and, it's about the people – Getting more people involved in just expanding the shoulders. Yeah, just not expanding the shoulders, fine for some, but for a lot of people, that's not enough. Right. Um, Kevin, you ever come across somebody that says, hey, um, they asked me to share the road, but you don't pay any of your taxes through licensing and tabs, um, get out of my way type attitude. Do you see that at all as a bicyclist? Not too much. I mean, I just think the the biggest problem is indifference to bikers. I mean, just that, that they're at risk as they're on our roadways. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a two-part section on Bainbridge Island. You know, the people that say, uh, chilly hilly, come do it. This is a very right. bicycle-friendly place. But then there's a bunch of people that say hey, it doesn't really bring any economic value, so – hurry up and get off, you know, because all the bicycles come over on the ferry. They don't have to pay a fee. They come and they leave. And right. the whole island shuts down on a, on a casual Sunday, which as a local, if you're not a bicyclist, it, it can be complaint part, complaint department syndrome, yeah. you know? And, uh, I just wondering, are we having this false sense of security, calling this a, a bikeable Island where there's not, white lines on the, on the shoulder and there's crumbling streets, very little shoulder like sunset and around uh, Eagle Harbor there. People from the South end of the Island have a hard time connecting um, with a bicycle to the ferry system. Uh, people in non motorized vehicles and wheelchairs and 80 and stuff like that have a bit of difficulty uh, going through the landscape that we have on this Island. What are you guys is kind of, situations bringing this event may 20th to woodward um what kind of awareness and what kind of conversation are you trying to interject we've been working with a whole bunch of terrific organizers and the the idea behind the expo is to have it do a whole bunch of different things at once and so i'm, I'm still missing the mark on my mic there <laughs> yeah, okay. we'll make it work uh, yeah um and so there, there's a lot gonna there'll be a lot going on so we've got uh a whole bunch of different people from the island who are actually going to come with their electric vehicles, so um, both cars and bikes, and talk about what that experience is like. So that might really be an opportunity for someone like you to engage there and ask some of those same questions. So it's not like a bike dealership, or we're going to do both. So again, it's going to be it's going to, there's going to be a lot going on. So we've got both parking lots at Woodward, and so in one half we'll have people with cars and with bikes talking about their experience of actually owning those, and you know talking about range anxiety, talking about things like. 
um, what it's like to be a, a bicyclist with an e-bike on Bainbridge and, and in Kitsap. And then on the other half, we've got um, a bunch of different dealers coming. So um, one of our local sponsors is BI Cycle. They're going to be there with a bunch of bikes. And we've got uh, South, Sound, South Sound scooters coming from Tacoma. They're going to bring some electric Vespas, which should be pretty nifty. And then we've uh, got, they got electric Vespas now. Yeah, yeah. And so they, badass. Yeah, so that's going to be fun, and they're they're really excited about coming. So we're we're excited about that. And um, then we've got other other representatives coming as well. So people like Lucid, Genesis, Toyota, Nissan, um, Kia, uh, Hyundai. They're all bringing cars, so they'll they'll all be there. The uh, the police department has a new Mach E, which is beautiful. They're going to be there as well. Who makes a Mach E? Uh, Ford. And then um, also the uh, Greg Greg's going to be there as well. Yeah, Greg Dunker. Yeah, yeah. You want to say a bit more about that? Um, yeah, Greg's on the island. He's a part of um, Pacific Mobility. What they do is they do a number of things. They um, convert vans to uh, electric electric vans. Pacwesty. Pacwesty skin. Thank right. you. Pacwesty. So you know about Pacwesty. Craig's great. Yeah. He, he's incredible great. person. He and is. Greg, get on the podcast already. It's yeah, been five he, years. Oh, he should. I've been asking you for a minute. I see you in every <laughs> right. magazine as a okay. stellar yeah, you, you, EV guy. He, well, we should add him with us. Guys. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be there on the 20th. Come by. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's going to he's gonna bring a Rivian, which is also a beautiful car. And then he's got so, a couple of these convert, converted uh, vans too. And I encourage everybody to buy a Lucid and a Rivian uh, vehicle because I have stock in both. Oh, there you, you do. go. There you okay. go. Nice. And you can bring your rat bike. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you That's want. Nice. Yeah, we, we, can we sign you up? Yeah, I'm going to check my calendar and make sure I'm <laughs> I'm available the 20th because I'm that soccer dad that's traveling a lot. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, I know that. I um, will um, definitely pedal on so, down there if I'm available that day. And, and, and another part of it, before we have that, we'll have some presentations right. from people, um, at different perspectives on um, electric cars and bikes. So we'll have some presentations and then discussion. Right. I'm, I'm pretty interested in uh, Pacific um, PSE's um, energy presentation on, on EVs. Um, it's cool that Rotary, Sustainable Bainbridge Island, and the Chamber of Commerce, as well as the City of Bainbridge Island, have all got behind your event. Yeah. Yeah. What sparked this event idea in the first place? You know, we was in 2019. We did a similar event on the island, um, and some of it was just. At least for me, uh, as a part of the climate change advisory committee, and we did an analysis. It showed about 20% of our greenhouse gases, you know, the stuff that causes warming was from transportation. And of course, the first thing I always say to people is in order to do something, just drive less, you know, walk, bike, mm -hmm. as you were saying. Yeah. But if not, then what's the alternative? And, um, so I think what we wanted to do was, one, some, for some, for our own edification, what's the technology out there? And we didn't just want dealers there. That's good they're there. But we want people who actually had some experience to share mm -hmm. with others. So really the, the genesis was that we wanted to try to increase awareness. Everybody seemed to be talking about it, but we wanted to bring people together in one place and have that discussion. So who was the first people that you hit up? Did you hit city of Bainbridge Island up and say that I wanted to do this in some location or it really grew out of the, the previous event. Yeah. And, and so we, 
we 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 secured uh, a location for the last one. This this one's going to be at Woodward, obviously, but um, that's kind of where it started. Yeah, and the city was wanted to help, but um, it really ended up falling back on a whole gr- group of people who were involved in the last event. So and that's so that's been people who are on the climate advisory committee, but also people who are involved in sustainable Bainbridge and a number of other organizations on the island. Okay. Um, let's get into some substance here about the controversy or the, the debate against why you should have electric vehicles and electric bikes. Um, what I understand, a lot of complaints, and they're not necessarily my complaints or your complaints or things that we can't work around, but um, battery life seems to hit me sometimes. Um, I want to go to the south end of the island and north end of the island and do a couple of hills and my bike is shot sometimes before I make it home. Right. And here's where the problem happens. You're at the bottom of the hill, you got no juice and you're an old man and you want a little extra juice, but you want to keep being active and that battery dies and your bike is <laughs> 75 pounds. Right. You know, it's not like 12 ounces. What's like, your, what's your range? Um, it, my range versus what, the label says, you know, I should get a, um, about 60 miles a day. Oh, nice. Okay. Which should get me to back and forth a few times. Um, but it also depends on how much you throttle and how difficult the hills are. Like if you go up Buckland right. Hill, your battery is going to be spent for the day, basically. Really? It's that, it, okay. Huh. It's that sensitive. Yeah. And then there's different in the winter also, you know, th- these are all, you know, I don't have the data on everything, Yeah. but there's, so I'm in a, a Facebook group about rad power bike owners and I've had a few battery issues and batteries are always constantly evolving, but they say that you have, have to have these, uh, 12 hour charges and not plug it in all the time. Um, stuff like that. My, um, fuses burn out the other day, huh. so I had to get new fuses and that seemed to help, but. Now I'm a little tentative, like, can I really commit to a 40-mile ride or a 30-mile ride on a daily basis? Uh, not so much with this dodgy knee and, you know, that battery right. being. So that's that's a fear I think a lot of people have, also mm. in a vehicle. Like, if I drive yeah. in, a, in an area on Route 66 or something where there's nothing out there, um, how long am I going to last? How many Charging stations are available. Do I need a charger for my phone to find my charging station <laughs> to charge my bike? You know, there's a there's a lot of like, where's the electricity coming from? And then lastly, I think another top um, complaint is how expensive electric vehicles are, sure. whether it be a bicycle or a car. Um, how do you feel about these these three? Well, things battery a, life. It's a lot. A lot to pack, unpack. Yeah, so, so Let's I would just start battery life. Yeah, on sure. battery life, I, I I can't speak to the bike piece. I don't have an electric bike, but I, we do have a Bolt um, that we bought two years ago. And didn't they just discontinue the Bolt? They did, which is too bad because it's an, a small, affordable EV. So it's it's well, Jay Inslee's car, right? I don't know if Inslee has one. I think it is. Does it? Yeah. Well, we have one and we love it. It's, it's a great it's dog a, movie with John yeah, Travolta too. Right. Yeah. Bolt. <laughs> um, <but laughs> you got the, little uh, ones out there. But the. Um, I, the range anxiety is definitely real when you start, but you pretty quickly get over it. I mean, driving around the island, I mean, it's just not a problem at all. And you get you get much more comfortable when you know it drops below. You know, it, we have a, about a two hundred and fifty mile an hour uh, mile range, mm-hmm. but when you get to 
80 miles or something like that. When you're on the island, you know you're going home and you're going to plug the car in. So that part of it just kind of goes away. We, My wife and I have made two trips to the Bay Area from from Seattle. And it was it, it's a blast. I mean, there's a lot of charging stations, but you have to figure it all out. So you become much more engaged with the trip and how you're going to actually make it to the next spot. And it takes a little bit longer than filling up your car with gas. But, you know, we've we've. How long a, does it take? It takes about 35 minutes usually to get enough to get to the next station. And so, you know, and so and some that of that's a full charge. Yeah, pretty much get, to get back to a place where you're, you're at full capacity. And so sometimes you're at Walmart, you know, so you go and I'm get never it, at Walmart. You, you might get it. Well, but they have chargers. <laughs> They've got a beautiful charging network. And so okay. you get a bottle of water, you walk around a little bit, you know, Fort Vancouver has a beautiful charging station right there. And so you can walk around in the sunshine and go Do you have any that. idea how many charging stations there are on the island? Because I know there's like two on downtown Winslow. I believe there's one at the grocery store at TNC. Right. Um, other than that, none really stick out in my mind. There's, there's an, yeah, there's a couple downtown. Um, and then they're, 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 we're looking at adding some more. I think another one's going to go in. Um, at City Hall, and there's uh, there's talk of another one as well. Um, there are f- there are some high powered ones at Walmart on, uh, on Palsbo. Um, so that are that are there. How like- much does a charging station cost? And it's like an eight. It's like eight bucks. <laughs> To build, to, mean, no. to install. Oh, to install. Yeah, oh, no. Wow. It's, so, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. It's expensive. I, I think imagine. it's a, um, my thought, uh, maybe for um, level three. Level three is the, the, right. the really fast one. I think that's 100000 I thought. I'm, that's off the top of my head. But I, I, I don't know for a fact. And then $8 the charge. And where do they derive that electricity for the charging station? From the grid. From the grid, it comes from BSE for, right. for us. Yeah. So, so that that's a whole other issue of about where it's coming from and what, how clean your grid is um, yeah. in terms of the, the charging. Yeah. So we can right. get into that, too, if, if you want to. Yeah, no, I yeah. do. Uh, like, now I want to get into it. Like, okay. okay, you got a $100,000 uh, charging Well, stage. Now, don't quote me on that. No, just, no just, this is the bystander. We yeah. don't fact check No, we don't anything. fact check. I so, love it. Someone will, though. Someone, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, and sure and so will. be it. And then put it on social media, you know, correct yeah. us. But I ain't got time for that right now. <laughs> Let's just estimate. You got a hundred thousand dollar charger. You spend eight bucks to charge your car. Um, the electricity comes from the grid. So does the city benefit from that in, in any any fashion? Because they have to pay for the charging station, correct? PSE is not well. It depends. For for, yeah. for example, PSE is installed. I think. Um, Almost uh, ten to, or fifteen to twenty charging stations on the island, for both residential and for commercial. They, they have a pilot program where so they it, are installing. So it behooves them. PSC, but not necessarily the city. No, not not the city, not necessarily. No, because okay. the city, um, the one at the um, at the uh, city hall, it will be there. And I don't know that they're charging or how much they're going to charge you know, for like that a, kind of thing. I'm not sure. You could put an ATM in your convenience store, charge a customer. Uh, $3 right. and you take a dollar every transaction, right? Could right. the city do something like that with the EV program? Um, they probably could. I don't know what their, their, their idea is in terms of how much they're going to charge for, for these. Um, and there's one at TNC and I'm not exactly sure how, how the it's charging. A, it's an EV go. There. So th- there are a bunch of different business models. So there, there are some that are just startups that are actually putting in networks everywhere and they're, they're allying themselves with people like grocery stores. Electrify America is the, is partnered with Walmart and they're owned by Volkswagen or at least Volkswagen is one of the predominant owners. And so they're, 
they're trying to actually connect their the, the sale of their car to having the convenience of that network. So if you buy a Volkswagen, yeah. you can charge for free at Electrify America charging stations. Well, let's take Seattle, for example, um, bike share and scooter share programs. How do those things get charged? I know like some of the bike programs, I think it was Lime Bike, where there'd be a person that would come pick up as many bikes as possible, take them home, charge them, and put them back out on the street. Right. That doesn't seem like a viable long-term plan for a huge quantity. Right. And you get nickels basically charging it from your own home. What's the solution for rideshare type EV bicycles and scooters on the island? Because I think I see a few Lime scooters and uh, the Uber bikes come over from Seattle right. on the ferry, and then sometimes they're just left here. Right. Like So how do we deal with that, especially if we go forward? having our own little ride share program under well, the electric guys. Yeah, there is a pilot that, that uh, Greg is is working on. They got a grant for a um, zero emissions vehicle co-op. There's two vehicles on the island now. And so you subscribe and then you can use that vehicle and then you return it to the same place. Do you know what that's called? Um, yeah, the ZEV co-op. And, uh, so they got a grant, a pilot from, I think it's a state, um, to do that. And so um, they're, they're starting it out and seeing how it works. And the idea of Greg, as you know, Greg, is, is, is an it's in other guy. areas. He's a whole it's, other maven. Right. So it's not just here. It's in other areas. They're, they're starting this up. Um, and in more rural areas. I mean, because in Seattle, you can, you know, you have all these different uh, kind of co-op type of things that you can use cars. But in the rural areas, so to speak, um, it really hasn't penetrated yet. So. Yeah, they're not making an electric trackers or, tractors, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but going back to the grid, a grid's a, it's a very good question. That the question is, if you plug it in, where's the electricity coming from? Mm -hmm. So for us on Bainbridge, well, let's go global. Let's go further. If you go Washington State mm -hmm. globally, um, a vast majority of the electricity comes from hydro. But if you scope down to us and other who are part of the Puget Sound Energy, about 55, 50 to 55 percent of their electricity still comes from fossil fuels. So when you're plugging in, obviously you're plugging in to the greenhouse gases that are being created in the generation of electricity. The good thing, the good thing, the state has mandated that by 2025 they have to be off of coal. By 2030, they have to be, quote, carbon neutral. And by 2045, they have to be completely green. It's not 2030? 20, 2030 is carbon neutral. In other words, they can have, they can um, produce energy that still is natural gas, for example, but they have to offset that somehow. So, so anyway, they're on track to do that, hopefully. We'll mm -hmm. see. Um, so when we get our energy, it will be cleaner and so um that would be a good thing so i always have this argument it, when you say offset uh, is our energy really cleaner or are we going max dirty here and completely clean over here and then we average it out in the middle and we become a centrist of electric vehicles well that that's a good question and yeah. this i don't know how much background you want on here but let's go <laughs> um the climate change advisory committee came out with a plan a climate action plan and set goals Many other people you may have here, they have called net zero. By yep. 2050, we're going to be net zero. 
That doesn't mean they're going to have zero greenhouse gas emissions. That means they will offset. Right. So what we did, we recommended to the cities, we don't do that. Either you reduce the stuff, you don't buy offsets. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole other podcast. And I can get a guy for that podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm down. Let's okay. go. Um, he's really good. Yeah. Uh, he does this for a living. So the we decided we're not doing that. We're recommending to the city that we reduce our emissions and not offset them. So um, you're, to your point, because as they say, not all offsets are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some real questionable ones out there. So, um, so anyway, that's probably a little more than, than you wanted to hear. But no, no, I, I, I think from our standpoint, offsetting right. is not what we need. We need to reduce. Right. I, I think there's multiple offshoots of podcasts here, and I, I want to hear it all. If you want to talk about it, I'm, I'm down to talk about it, whatever it is, because I think there's a lot of education that needs to catch up with production, and that production needs – to fit the education as well. So I'm in this uh, purgatory basically when it comes to where can I make my sacrifices? Where can I make my positive offsets, you know, lack less consumption, uh, recycling, electric vehicles, uh, walking more stuff like that. So I'm in this situation where I have a, a fossil fuel vehicle. I have an electric vehicle and I don't know if I'm swapping one negative for another. So I'm kind of like doing both on a weekly basis um, when I'm doing good. Because <laughs> um, there's the whole gamut of child labor, Republic of Congo having like 8% electricity, um, child labor, $1.50 a day, horrible conditions, all to bring us a mineral called cobalt that goes in all our iPhones, all our computers, all the EV vehicles at this point. And I may be wrong in saying all, but the majority for sure. And it doesn't seem like we have enough of those minerals to provide the mandates that we're shooting for. And we have a situation where kids are having, you know, being born with birth defects, horrible breathing area in the Congo militias and all that cobalt being sold to China. And then we have the conflict with China. We're enabling these child labor situations to keep going on. These horrible health conditions, acidic water that's not even drinkable. People in the Congo getting pushed out of where they're at. Deforestation in the Republic of Congo. Um, Supporting militia, supporting the criminal criminal activity between China and Congo um, looking the other way with when we put these situations where this has to be a good work environment, we put that on paper, but we don't really have access to certain areas where that goes on. So part of me is like, do I get off the computer? Do I get rid of my cell phone? Do I, continue even further and get an electric vehicle when I know the demand is going to be even harder with these mandates and am I, am I swapping one evil for another? Um, where do you guys lie? And I know this may be an ethical question. 
where do you lie in this situation and how do you promote electric vehicle consumption when these situations are, are global? I mean, those are all, all fair criticisms and, and, and fair uh, issues. I guess I would argue or, or state that um, a couple things. Now, let's, let's we'll work for the child labor and all that. There's been a – let's be clear. When you build an a EV, mm-hmm. initially that's going to create a lot more um, carbon emissions. Right. And, so, and, and, then producing a, then, a, a then, gas then car. producing a gas car. Right. And, and climate issues too. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These definitely. people in Congo are not living well. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I mean, the only reason I, – I lived in Africa for five years and worked there. So I, I kind of saw some of this stuff. Um, so that, all those things are, are true. Um, but in all this, is there's a trade-off. And to be honest, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you I can make – that judgment. However, I think if we do not go in that direction, let's say electric vehicles or electrification in general, it's going to get worse. And the people, and you know this, the people who have done the least to cause the problem of climate change are the ones who are going to suffer the most mm-hmm. if it continues. Now, if the international community would comply with what they've said they're going to do to apply billions of dollars to these countries to help them adapt to it. Because Congo should be one of the richest countries in the world. It's got a lot of minerals, but it's not. It's been corrupt. There have been wars. There was a proxy war between Soviet Union and us for years. Execution of a leader. Lots of stuff. Um, And so um, the hope, I would hope, is over time, let's say the batteries, for example, there's a lot of research going on on trying to make batteries that don't have as many of these minerals like lithium and cobalt and nickel. Um, that's probably still a little ways off. But that would be the hope where we wouldn't have to rely on some of these countries. On the flip side of that, um, there's in lithium, there's called the uh, lithium triangle. I think it's Bolivia, was it Chile and Argentina. And I don't know for fact, so you, you may know that. Well, I think again, it's, no fact checking on the bicycle. Yeah, is uh, um, I'm the revenue that they're getting in those countries. Uh, I think is more evenly distributed than, let's say, Congo. Um, having lived in Africa, I, I I can't speak for the the political process there and how fair the it's getting distributed. And there's not envi- there are environmental impacts, and there's our child labor, but. Again, there's this trade-off that I, I, I think is um, in the long term is what we have to do. Okay, Kevin, let me ask you about the trade-off. If we scrap the EV plan right now, what is the consequence of us continuing with fossil fuels? It's disastrous. I mean, there's there's no way around it. I, I, Mike's totally right. I mean, it's it, the 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 trade-off. The thing, the choices we face now are pretty dire. And so we have to electrify everything. And I think that part of what it means to buy an electric car with all of the things you talked about, you know, not being set aside or or being, you know, treated mildly, um, you are also making a choice about empowering a, a, a shift in the overall economy and how we actually solve problems. So we have to electrify everything and that's going to involve for a while using lithium batteries. But to Mike's point, 
there's billions of dollars being pumped into new startups who are desperately and very urgently looking for alternatives. And I think in the course of the next 15 years, we're going to see those alternatives. But we, the bet we have to make right now is that that's going to work. And so there are going to be short-term trade-offs that, that may involve some things that are unpleasant. But, but, but if we have a holistic, comprehensive effort to turn this big ship in the, in the direction of electrification, we've got a shot to limit some of the terrible things that are beginning to happen with the climate. And so that's, that's, that's our choice. So you touched, if I'm, if I'm gathering this right, you touched on economic, but not climate wise, climate wise, what devastation do we have if we continue fossil fuels versus what devastation do we have versus minerals? I mean, I I would argue that the, the minerals um, are, are definitely a, um, well, a, a couple things. Let's back up for a second. The use of, <laughs> the, the, the use of gasoline cars yeah. cause a lot of health impacts on their own. Um, you can look at, I've worked at right. EPA for a long time. The air pollution, some of the asthma, some of the issues with health related from gasoline cars is pretty substantial. And that's in the United States. Yeah, if, but farming go, and, and slaughterhouses and there's a lot of things that cause a lot of those health issues. They do, but not on the scale of cars. I mean, we got millions and millions and millions of cars out there that are contributing. The, the amount that the farmers are, are contributing to air pollution from their work is minuscule compared so, to the average person like us. So a car um, – has more devastation than, let's say, a jet airplane when it comes to climate pollution? Or is what's the list look like? If, if methane gas from the manure from this meat-hungry country that we have um, has all these um, climate issues, what's kind of the pecking order of things that are destroying yeah, our see, climate? I, I, I don't like go I think that's, that's choosing between these different things. I think it's a, well, I mean, it's, it's you, a plate that you have to. If there's 50% of something causing it, as opposed to 5% of something else causing it, wouldn't you go after the bigger fish? Oh, true. And if you look at it, 40%, about approximately nationwide, probably 30% of our greenhouse gases come from on-road vehicles. Okay. So you're right. Um, the, the methane from uh, slaughterhouses and all that does contribute quite a bit. My argument would be that transportation is going to be the hardest one to solve. Now, if you look at the pie, trans- you got energy, transportation, industry, waste. Does farm, transportation farm. include uh, 18-wheelers, railroads, uh, <laughs> shipping containers? Well, no, this is just if, if you're just looking at on-road – Vehicles that we're talking okay. about, I'd say it's about 20, 25%. If you start adding, um, uh, bigger trucks, then you start adding, um, uh, boats, then you start adding airplanes, that percentage gets higher. And I don't know the exact percentage, but for the United States, it's pretty high. Where it. if you look at energy, to me, that's a more solvable problem in the sense that we have technology, you know, wind, solar, geothermal, all those. Transportation's hard because we all drive. This is America. There's huge spaces. So in order to solve the problem, I think transportation is going to be the hardest nut to crack in terms of helping the climate. That's my take. How do you guys feel about our transportation secretary right now? 
Mr. Buttigieg? Yes. Uh, Is he doing a fair job? I never even thought about it, to be honest. Um, Okay. I I, I think in going back to this, I'll stop monologuing. (laughs) There's two big bills. We have the infrastructure bill and we have the Inflation Reduction Act. Infrastructure bill pumps in, as you know, billions of dollars to do all sorts of things. Electric charging stations put money into making uh, you know, batteries here, uh, infrastructure just for roads, which you could argue, gosh, should we be building more roads? But that's a trade-off that you have to have in a, in a huge country like ours. So I think there's movement towards in the right direction. And I think Buttigieg is a part of that, moving it in the right direction. What do you guys feel about these? I'm, I'm a little all over the shop here, not just on bikes and, and vehicles, because <laughs> um, there's been so many train crashes. Um, do you think that's a product of not keeping up with production and moving forward in our transportation system where we're trying to make things better, that we have more checks and balances on a rail system, our buses? Well, you're, you're, yeah. you're getting beyond my yeah, knowledge I gonna, level. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified I, All, all on I can one. say is I listened to one podcast from The Daily, which is right. the yeah. New York Times. <laughs> Great podcast. So th- yeah. my knowledge comes from there. And, Shout uh, out to The Daily. Yeah, Daily. And, and Michael uh, Bombaro. Bombaro. Bombaro, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and hmm. uh, so, no, I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to comment on that. All right. The, the we'll, trail we'll, we'll let it go. Um, you guys, what do you think about the long-term environmental impact in the positive way, Kevin? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, to go back to some of the things that Mike was saying, I think that there's – we've got a chance to have a, a – an amazing fight to, to, to keep ourselves from, you know, allowing the temperatures to rise globally. And that some of the things that we're talking about, I mean, with the, with the two bills that Mike just referenced, the United States has a real shot now to play an incredibly important and leading role. And the, the, the way in which that money is going to get dispensed to regular people is still pretty complicated. And so we're really excited about trying to help figure out ways to connect people to that money, um, which is going to change the way they electrify their houses and whether or not they can buy electric vehicles, whether they can put induction stoves in, whether or not they can install heat pumps, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a lot of ways for families to save a lot of money and and get a much better thing in their house that makes their life better, even if you set aside climate change and, and you know the impending problems there. So there's a whole bunch of work to be done just to help families do that and become more resilient and and save money every year. So let's say I'm 100% behind the idea, and I want to get an electric vehicle. Yes. But we're near a recession. Things aren't great. We're coming out of COVID. Electric vehicle is about $59,000 on the average. Um, There's been talk of incentivizing new car purchases for, I think, $7,500 getting a tax credit. Is it a tax credit? Tax credit, yeah. Well, it's complicated. It's a tax credit right now that only applies to how much you can, how many, how much taxes you are going to pay next year. It's a full credit and it becomes a rebate at the point of sale. Yeah. I like the rebate. So that still, still brings it up over $50,000. So in all fairness, so we were, we were both, the two of us were both in the market for new cars. So our bolt was not that expensive. So with, with the previous um, incentives in place, it was, it was less than that. And they're Chevy's going to release the Equinox and the Blazer, which are the MSRP. I think, with with reductions puts them more between thirty and forty, so it's still expensive. Obviously, it's still yeah. a very expensive well, car. But so, yeah. but but also Tesla has has 
you know, pushed through a bunch of price cuts as well. So mm -hmm. the Tesla now is much more expensive than, or less expensive than it was two years ago. And so it, and now, now there's an aftermarket, you know, where you can actually get used cars. There's, there's inventory there. You can pick up a, a used leaf, which is a great electric car now. And, you know, for, and there's a, um, Rebate for forty five hundred for there. There are also car, incentives for that too. Yeah, yeah. If it's but one of the the, the challenges is that applies to a very small number of cars. Right now, with the, right with now. the IRA. Yeah, yeah, and, and like so you have a bolt, they just discontinued it and announced that last week. So my fear would be like, am I going to get a car that? It is going to soon have an outdated battery, or I can't get parts for because it's ever changing and we want more battery life and well Chevy's I mean it's going to be kind of like your laptop I mean that's really what they are they're like laptops with the wheels and they're really heavy um, but so I mean Dell continues to support your old laptop and so you know that the same thing's going to happen with with all the car manufacturers I I, I you know that they're in this for the long run they're clearly shifting massive amounts of money into the production of EVs every almost every single one of them is and so I think there's a long life for all of this it's it, there's a lot going on in terms of innovation. So the cars are going to change. So the battery that's in the, in the blazer and the Equinox is different than what's in our car. But at the same time, you know, it's, it, I, it honestly, it's a better car. Also, it's just way more fun to drive than a gas powered car. I'll just say that it's, they're, they're really quick. They're really fun. Um, we loved it. I mean, we, the, the, the jump for us from our old gas guzzling, uh, Honda pilot to the EV has been fantastic. Well, one of the fascinating thing I was listening to this guy yesterday, and he was making the argument about the Chevy Bolt. He said that was good. You had a certain battery. What they're going to is bigger cars, yeah, SUVs mm. and trucks, because that's what Americans like. All the cars look the same. They're like this weird hatchback. The hatchback, thing. but what there's this guy was arguing. I don't know if it's true that manufacturers are going to go and be making these SUVs and these big cars that require huge ass battery, right? And so he was arguing, was going, how much better is this really going to be? No, no, it's a, it's a, if you're it's just really important. buying what, I'm, what we like, Americans, I'm an American, um, how much benefit is that going to be? Which I thought was a very interesting argument. The benefit discussion. of bigger size? The, by building a bigger size, you're going to have to have a bigger battery and you're going to have to have bigger batteries. You're going to take more lithium <laughs> yeah. instead of having a bolt or right. a, a, a neon. A, well, I think there's a fear, like, you know, whether it be a BMW Mini or um, the little Italian Fiat or whatever, or the smart car or some of those smaller cars, like, you feel like you could get ran over by these other vehicles. You know, there's still Escalades, Humvees out there. Yeah. You know, yeah, we were just eighteen wheeler. You know, we just escaped a crash the uh, a couple months ago out there by um, Gorst. This guy coming over the wall, he had fallen asleep. Mm -hmm. Eighteen wheeler with a trailer, Yikes. and yeah, all these things are splintering off the top. They had these little, uh, I don't know what they call plastic things on top of the cement, and he was coming up and over, and they were just shattering <laughs> all over our car. And I know because he hit somebody else, they died. Hmm. Right. So what kind of protect protection do we have? You know, we can't just say the Volvo is the safest car anymore. Right. Right. And then when it comes to these smaller cars, there might not be a market for them like the bolt because we, we are fearful, you know, we're lower to the ground. We're smaller in size. We're not seen as much on the road. You know, I'd really like to get rid of all gray cars and 
in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we should have a certain size car, and that'll be it. Uh, we're going to say mandate it, only certain size. I'm kidding. But, you know, like Europe. We just got back from Europe. My God, the biggest car there must have been a right. a Volkswagen a van or something like that. They yeah. just don't. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. My, my hunch is it's a moment in time and that we'll, we'll, we're going to move past this. It's, you know, it, the, the, the fashion for the larger cars, I think, is for all the reasons you're describing is real. And that that's going to extend for a while. But my bet is that, that somebody disrupts the market and comes in with a, a much more affordable and smaller car. And I hope and, it's an American car maker. And safe, too. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. want to put my 16-year-old in a right. brand new EV that's, you know, just a little bit bigger than a bicycle. Right, yeah. but but de- especially in cities, I think having smaller cars makes a lot more sense. Just just yeah. like just like you would see in Europe. Well, in, yeah. s- in cities, especially yeah. in Seattle, I think walking is it's also good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, like the bus situations, you know, this is smokehouse for fentanyl users right now. You know, you, you don't want to get on the bus, and then I take light rail to the airport. You know, like yeah. the ferry is free to Seattle, and walk a few blocks, get on the light rail. It's like two fifty, three fifty, and it covers miles and miles yeah. of transportation. But I have to take my young child and step over twenty drug addicts and homeless people, and the consequences of interacting with them to get to the transit right. situation. It's another podcast. <laughs> I like how we're just digging up topics for her. Yeah, well, Tim, we're month. trying to help you out, man. Trying to get you. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go deep into the Congo, but let's uh, start talking about the pros and cons um, of coming to this event and and what people will learn on May 20th at Woodward, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Well, a couple of things. One, they're just a, a, a funny. We're going to have a band, um, a local band that is going to be playing uh, car or vehicle music, like trucking. I don't know if you remember trucking from the Grateful do. Dead. Yeah. Might be before no, your time, Tim. Um, yeah, you're, you're, I remember you're a lot uh, younger than us old guys here. <laughs> Convoy. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, anyway, I'm joking, concert. but they're going to be a band. Yeah. They're going to be playing car music. Um, mm. We'll have food. Shout I'm out the, to Dougie because he told me he was playing guitar with some band there. So. Oh, really? Oh, good. Oh, then there you go. No, what I'm, to be honest, what I hope is that people just come with a little better understanding of the pros and the cons. Of, of electric cars. I'm hoping owners tell people, yeah, this is a great thing, but, you know, there's a few things you need to be aware of. Right. Yeah, wear so, your helmet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah well, on too. bikes. And so I, sure. I don't want this just one-sided. I want right. a conversation. Right. That's yeah. what I'm hoping we get. And that's what we were hoping to have the, the owners from, you know, from Kitsap who can talk to that, but then also to have some dealer reps there too. So you can get that. And then we're going to have a couple of different, you know, the, the different people doing presentations can also speak to those things too. So it gives you a chance to have lots of different types of conversations. Now, what if, I get shamed a lot. I'm just going to say it, that I have an EV bike. But, you know, I'm 56. I want to stay active. Um, I got a dodgy knee. I, w- I want to get a little assistance here and there. Sure. I can turn it off and still ride it like a bicycle. Um, it's really expensive. So sometimes I will just walk it through the grocery store, grab some broccoli and get out. And uh, I was accosted recently. Like, Do you take the bike into the store? Yeah, it's no bigger than a shopping cart. Oh, well, that's true. I never okay. And you could just put it in the bags in the back. Well, I got a shopping cart in the front of my bike. Oh, wow. I never, I've never seen anybody so do that. I don't even need bags. It's another podcast. <laughs> I've never seen anybody shopping with their bike. Sorry, so, Tim. This it's is all right. Good. And it's tucked 
by my hip, right? So it it's, takes up less space than a cart in the supermarket. And oh. and the, fr- the fruit and vegetables are on a very open end. You know, so I don't go in and up and down the aisles because that's all crap I don't want to eat. Um, but some lady was like, get that vehicle out of here. <laughs> and I was like, vehicle is my bike, you know? And uh, she's like, lock it up outside. And I was like, fair point. You know, maybe I should, but uh, I've also... At that time, there was multiple rad bikes that were being stolen. Mm. And I have a nice, like, uh, bike lock that's, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, like a unfolding ruler that comes in and it's, you can't cut it. Um, but with that said, you know, they they can grab the battery if they really want to hit a screwdriver through the ignition and pop it off and, you know that's the majority of the cost of my bike <laughs> mm-hmm. and that can happen in a matter of minutes. Anyway, she said vehicle. So I was like, what constitutes a vehicle? And can you tell me what constitutes a vehicle in the EV space? Well, for the bikes, this is an interesting conversation that's starting. Let's use the Burt Gilman trail. You're familiar yes. with the Burt Gilman trail. There's a big discussion now on what, speed limit and two what kind of electric bike should be allowed on there because well, there's different as you know there's different kinds of electric bikes i will argue that a non-electric bike is faster really i can't keep up with my wife and she has like 16 ounce tour bike which is hmm. she's gone and i i'm max out going downhill at like 28 miles. Oh, okay. Just my a counter experience. I go biking, mountain biking out at Port Gamble. And Fun. just a couple of days ago, these guys zoom by me. I was going, what the hell? Am I just getting old? Which I am. They had electric mountain bikes. Mountain bikes? I haven't seen that. Yeah. It was wild. I had That's never cool. really seen them either. And they were, they were going on the main road very fast. So, so the argument is whether they should be allowed on the same trail? Exactly. Yeah. So that debate is starting, right, is is starting, um, especially in national parks even. They're right. talking about um, what kind of uh, vehicles, quote, should be allowed. And what it does to the trail, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's interesting it's like discussion. I can't bring my dog on the trails. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I don't know if that, if that helped, but that discussion is definitely going on. So there's there's some gray area whether it's a vehicle or not. Uh, yes, and not a vehicle, but what I think people would call it a bike. But at what point does it become a hazard, maybe, or where it's not anymore like a motorcycle? For example, motorcycles aren't allowed in Port Gamble, right? They're not allowed. So what point does or a in bike... supermarkets? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because you would think people go out for a long ride to Port Gamble on their bike in the Olympic um, forest and stuff. Yeah, on their yeah. bikes. Yeah. Oh, no, on I mean motorcycle. the motorcycles. Yes. Sorry. I don't think they're – I've never seen one. I've been biking there a long time. I've never oh, okay. seen a motorcycle in the Port Gamble area or in the, the preserve there. I might – anyway. You don't think they go out to the, the coast and Hood Canal on a motorcycle trip? Oh, no. No, they do that. This is the, 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 the Port Gamble um, Forest Reserve there. Gotcha. Right outside of Port Gamble. It's a bike. I don't know, thousands of acres of uh, trails. So what is your hope to incentivize people through this, uh, what do you call it, um, bike fair, EV fair? Is that a fair term for what yeah. you call yeah. it? The 20th? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think there, you know, we're lucky in that there are a lot of people on the island who already have electric vehicles of various sorts. I think there's still a lot of pent-up demand and a lot of questions. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, it's, it's meant as an open forum to explore those and, and to, to put people, you know, right up next to people who might be able to give them their own perspective on that rather than it being a sales pitch or a scientific article, but just people's lived experience of what it's yeah. like to actually have one of these things. That's why I think these type of conversations, this format of a podcast, a long conversation gives you much more insight to the people that are talking about these things and their personal experiences as opposed to a written article that's a one-off. Right. You know, we can continue this discussion. Being a bystander or a fly on the wall, we can be privy to these conversations that we may not have and uh, seek out people that may be experts at this stuff. Or even like, let's go bikes. I think the more people who want to bike, the more hopefully you create a, a, a number of people who then can go to the city council and other things to discuss in a more powerful way that we want these amenities here on our Island and maybe we're willing to pay for it. How do we do that? So hopefully through this, it's not the cars, but it's the bikes that we want to create those infrastructures from Linwood, from rolling Bay, um, wherever it is to get to the city downtown. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the STO trail? Just personally. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great, it's kind of, it's a cool idea. Um, now it's always that stands for sound to Olympic trail. And that's a yeah. additional lane for bicycles um, along the highway to the Olympic forest. Yeah, the Olympic forest. And there are some already, as you probably know, the Olympic the discovery trail is, a, I can't remember. I've biked it many, many times. Uh, that's a link. So I would love to see that linkage all the way to forks basically. And beyond yeah. is kind of what their the goal is. So how do you see that? When it comes to the bridge getting off the island, because uh, yeah. that's that's my biggest fear in biking off the island. To be is, honest, I have no idea. Yeah, how did how to do that's that? A fair answer. Because yeah. it's a structure there. What are they going to do? Right. So I don't know the answer to that. One. That's yeah. a good. It's a good fair question. I don't know the answer. All right. Yeah. Thoughts about the STO? I, I don't. I'm, I haven't biked for years. I used to bike a lot, but not so much anymore. Well, it's half walking trail. True, you know? true. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful idea. Yeah. What do you think? What else is happening here locally to uh, support this type of movement? Oh, for biking or for vehicles? Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Uh, well, the, the, the as you say, the Pac Westy, the city is doing a number of things. They've um, They've changed code for a number of commercial and and residential areas where if you do put in construction, you have to have a certain number. I can't remember the number of EV charging stations per unit. Kind of like parking spaces. You need X amount of parking spaces spaces and an EV charger. And the second part of that is you build, you have to build a conduit to, if it's going to expand over time. So they don't Uh, have to build charging station, but they have to build infrastructure. But do they have to build sidewalks? Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, well, in now, the city, for sure, they have to have uh, sidewalks. I'm pretty sure. I don't, I'm not a planner, so I don't know, but I okay. think they do. I think they skipped a couple. Well, they may have, okay. Yeah, anyway, yeah. who am I to walk the earth and <laughs> tell you what's out there? <laughs> um, and some, uh, PSE, as, as I said, has a pilot program. How many did I think? I think they have 20 charging stations, 15 residential, five commercial um, city's putting in Kitsap Transit is has a couple electric buses. They're going to buy yeah. more. 
There's going to be one at the at the expo also. It's, yeah. it, they're yeah, really I, impressive. I just saw one the other day for the first time. It was impressive. And they're actually talking about using uh, called green hydrogen. Um, they're trying to talk about getting some pilot bus to run on hydrogen, which is a, a kind of a cool concept. But um, anyway, that, that's that's another topic. Sorry, the chair was squeaking so much. Oh, chair. sorry. Okay. Um, I hear that there's a plan to electrify the ferry. Is that yeah. a feasible yeah. thing? And is that going to happen in our lifetime? Yeah. As my understanding, the funding is there yep. to do it. Um, and then <clears throat> it's going to be a hybrid. So it'll be electric, but they'll still have, in case of problems, it still have the diesel generators to, to run the place, so which they, they, they need to. Grounded into the beach like they did last week. <laughs> yeah, they'll ground it. <laughs> so then the question is, where are they charging? And right. uh, if you think about it, logically, a cleaner, well, a cleaner way would be to charge it in Seattle right at the moment. If they plugged Why? in here, it would be through the, the Puget Sound Energy. Yeah. So if they over there, they charge it, they're plugging into a clean grid. If well, you see what's what the difference between a PSE grid and a clean grid? So over and 80%. Why of, are they dirty? Well, over, over 80% <laughs> of, of Seattle City Light's power comes from hydro. Oh, and so and then, almost fifty percent of 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 the power that we get from PNC is comes from coal or from natural gas. Yeah, now, now I remember the, this argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the argument is charge over there because it's a cleaner grid there where the electricity is coming from. And they have you know new dock over there. Yeah, yeah. and, and they maybe dock. and they have to be able to run the the type of line that they need to be able to charge a ferry. And yeah. you know, for twenty five thousand people versus. What eight hundred thousand in Seattle? There's yeah. a bigger infrastructure over there. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, what still needs to be done to uh, make this a commonality between the majority of people? I mean, the interesting thing, I Kevin alluded to it, and I, I think the numbers fairly collect ninety over ninety percent of all our trips in cars are less than ten miles. Yeah. So, so I should have bike or walk. Yeah, you can bike or walk. Now, I would all, I always go to that first thing. Really, what we need to do is get out of our damn cars. Yep. And But we need to create the infrastructure that allows that. Because if we don't, we're just going to get in the car and go ahead. It's, it's, it's so easy to do. Yeah, and it, you know, like I said before, it's dangerous in certain areas of the island to walk or ride your bicycle. And right. Well, sunrise. I rode for twenty years. I never got hit, but I was really worried I was going to get smooshed on sunrise more yeah. than once. So. And you saw how, rest in peace, the young girls that drove off that. Right. Know, it's a very narrow road, and they all passed, unfortunately. Yeah, that was, and that was in a moment. Terrible. Terrible. And we we've had well, somebody got hit in the roundabout. This week. Oh, really? Yeah, on their bicycle by a car. Oh, really? The big one or the little one? The one fake, on Madison, the, one. the little one. Yeah. Oh, the little one. Yeah. yeah. There was a car on top of the roundabout. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. And then, you know, we've had some situations in crosswalks and joggers and stuff like that, you know, where it's it's kind of like mass shootings. It's, it's more common to get hit, and we just keep on going about our days, whether it be Seattle or here on the island, you know, and... You better keep your head on a swivel, whether you're walking, running, riding a bike, or especially driving a car. Yeah, yeah. So we need we need that infrastructure for people to feel comfortable biking, walking. If we don't, to be honest, who, only people are going to be on bikes are the, you know, quote brave Tourists. ones. 
Oh, the tour, brave, brave ones. Oh, brave ones are the, 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 the um, commuters. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and tourists. But a lot of people are too, are too scared, which I can see. I would. Yeah. I once you had a couple brushes, you know, right. uh, my wife has been brushed up by a couple cars in Seattle. So yeah. now it's more of a walkable situation, although the bike lanes are improving, but. You always get that person that's lost in the big city, going the wrong way on a one way, or sure. you know, from England <laughs> yeah. and on, in the wrong lane, or whatever it is. So it's tough. I I had a horrible accident um, after Thanksgiving last year, coming down towards Eagle Harbor. There were before they had started that last construction thing, but there was a, a rut in the asphalt, and I was going thirty miles an hour on my e bike and tried to get out of it and um, there's a braking mechanism that's not the best on that bike and then i went ass over key kettle key tea kettle and uh that's when i found out that uh helmets are a one-use thing yeah and yeah. i split across wow. i had road rash and then i had a huge hip contusion and a lot of internal bleeding and stuff like that oh, no and my. i'm like i did this by myself you know because there was a very poor shoulder at that time and that the asphalt hadn't really, I was going at an excessive speed. So I'm thankful and I'm wondering what you guys are thinking about the reduction in speeds that recently happened on Winslow. You think that's really helping the bicycle community or yeah, I hear you, Mike. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, obviously if you're hit by a car at 30, and 20 is probably going to be better at 20. Right. Right. But personally, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure people will get grumpy. I'm not sure that's a measurable impact or a measurable uh, difference. In, well, especially in, if I, I just don't know, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. And especially if there's not enforcement of not ticketing. Enforcement, right. Sure. Right. 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 And I, you barely get a ticket around here in your car. Right. Let alone doing bicycle laws and, and speed limits well, and stuff like that. Well, if it goes to 20 and you're doing bike 25, what happens? Yeah, well... I guess you're... Let's go back to my original thought about having a, a tab and a license on, yeah. on your car. And then now on all your of a sudden... Bike. Yeah, you're on your bike and now... You brought it full circle. You did it. Right? Right on. I think yeah. we should end there before <laughs> we get in a rat wheel and go around and around some more. Okay. All right. It's Kitsap Electric Vehicle and Bike Expo, May 20th. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Sponsors are PSE, Rotary, Sustainable Bainbridge Island, Chamber of Commerce, City of Bainbridge Island, and BI Cycle. Um, I hope to see you out there at Woodward Middle School. Thank you, Mike Cox. Thank you, Kevin Thomas. I appreciate you guys coming. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. I hope it was a Good enough discussion for you guys. Absolutely. I think it was. was. I think we got deep in a few things. <laughs> yeah. We'll help you find some more. We have a whole bunch of ideas for you. Now. Yeah, we, yeah. I got 10 podcasts that I didn't write down, but yeah. let's get after it. Hey, thank you for listening to The Bystander. Be a friend. Tell a friend. You can support us with a $5 donation at patreon.com on a monthly basis. Keep community broadcasting going on. Thank you for listening. Be kind.